Hello, everyone. This is Aspet Bedrosian. And this is Hovik Manucharyan. And we're talking with Gevis Gajian on the latest conditions and events during the Artsakh blockade. Gev, as you know, is with the ANC in Artsakh, Nagorno-Karabakh. He lives in Stepanagerd. Today is July 7th, 2023. This is the 207th day of the Artsakh blockade. Good evening, Gev. How are you doing? Good evening, Gev. Good evening, guys. Good to be on. Gev, uh, I listened to the uh, Twitter space that you had with Geram Stepanian the other day. And of course, we have a lot of other confirmations, but what Geram said really struck me. He said that the situation is really catastrophic. Stores are running out of supplies. A friend of mine told me that cigarettes are out in stores. So mm-hmm. that for smokers, that's probably going to be a, a huge stressor. And uh, essentially, since June 15th, we've had zero tons of humanitarian goods, according to Geram Stepanian. And we, of course, can prove it because of the damn boulders on the, on the corridor and, of course, everything else, all the statements that Azerbaijan is making. Yeram was uh, really dire, saying that starvation may start like in about in a week or 10 to 10 days. Is that true? What's, what else can you add to that? Can you confirm yeah. what I've understood is happening? So for those that are aware, the situation's been pretty bad for the last seven months, but it's been able to be buoyed to some level because of the bare necessity humanitarian goods that have been brought in by the Russian peacekeepers. Unfortunately, since the 15th of last month, that has come to a complete halt. So literally the only things that we have in terms of sustenance here in Artsakh are the things that are grown here. And while that might sound fine, none of that is able to meet the needs of 120,000 people here in Artsakh. And uh, the, mm-hmm. the speculation that in, in about a week or two, we were going to have serious issues, even, you know, bordering on uh, starvation is actually absolutely true. E- even at this point in this stage, we have kids that are already suffering from malnutrition. We've got lots of people that are dealing with vitamin deficiencies. Because keep in mind, the only things that we have here let's say potatoes or whatever things that people can scarcely find, uh, you're not getting your regular nutritional value. You're not hitting your regular calories. And then when you talk about uh, utilizing all of those resources, uh, then you have a dire, dire situation. Gev, I've also heard that as far as the farm products and things like that, because of a lack of fuel, there's a problem transporting them between Stepanagerd and some of the villages. And in fact, some of that work has been done via the Russian peacekeepers and helicopter. Is that true? Yes. And uh, if you guys are aware, you know, last week we started hearing reports about even and some of the stuff that we had in warehouses like flour. We started hearing about shortages of bread here, yeah. um, and, and I mm-hmm. tried to dig a little more into that, and, and we found out that while some of the bakeries still had some bread, even that little like, flour. That minuscule, that, yeah, bread and flour, that minuscule amount that, that they were able to produce, they weren't able to send everywhere. So you can have bakeries, you know, baking bread, uh, but in Stepanagift, you can't get them to the villages. You can't even get them to other parts of Stepanagift. So this is all exacerbated because you, you take the fuel, the transportation, and the scarcity of food, and, and, and you create this really, you know, serious, serious uh, situation on the ground. And the situation is um, normally Russia, I think, uh, out of the geopolitical realities, tries to make very balanced statements 
almost as quote-unquote balanced as some of the Western statements. But Maria Zakharova also made a statement indicating that the situation is deteriorating and people could be left without food or other essential products and medication. And she called on Azerbaijan to lift the blockade. But as we know, it's falling on deaf ears. Is there any hope in terms of the Russian peacekeepers uh, reacting to this somehow or trying to do more than they have been doing so far? So if you know one is to carefully analyze that statement, the one thing that I would say that has changed, obviously, you know, her mentioning that you have a real food scarcity problem. Usually when Zakharova makes the, these quotes, there is something along the lines of like, and we urge Armenia and Azerbaijan to blah, 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 continue whatever process. Uh, she's left that out, uh, which is yeah. a, a good starter. Yeah, another thing I noticed, uh, she, I, think, I think she said that we will, the Russian peacekeepers will react based on the situation on the ground and the tripartite statement. So it seems like, maybe I misunderstood, but it seems like they're making room for additional activity they could do that is outside of the November 9th statement because she, she said this phrase, situation on the ground. So, yeah, look, there, I there mean, is we all hope, hope but is, like, is, is this... There is that hope there. Um, and, and, you know, one, one thing that we're urging here on the ground in conversations with the, the peacekeepers is that the helicopter route that they're using, flying planes, you, you can't meet the, you know, necessities of 120,000 people with a, a helicopter a day. And most, if not all of those things, those supplies that are being brought in through that transportation route, those are for, they've got, you know, north of 2,000 peacekeepers here. That, that That's to sustain them. If we're talking about meeting the needs of the populace, mm-hmm. one of the things that they can do is fully utilize the airport that we have and fly in those goods through an air route. One thing I will say if this situation does deteriorate to the point where you have people, uh, you know, facing starvation and, and whatnot, in, in our previous conversations, you guys know how vociferously, openly critical I am of the Armenian government. The peacekeeping mission has a responsibility here. And regardless of all the flaws uh, of the Armenian government, through what's stated in the trilateral agreement, the Russian peacekeepers have a very serious role. And through this time up until this point, they, they've won the trust of, you know, the the majority of the Artsakh populace, because we understand that if they weren't here, we're facing ethnic cleansing and so on. But if they do yeah. not act soon, the situation is going to deteriorate past the point of their control as well. Gev, about the Russian peacekeepers and their mission, just before you joined us on the show, Hovig and I were talking about the unedited version of the video showing the incident at the Hakari Bridge two, three weeks back. This version shows that the peacekeepers were trying to keep Azeri movements as non-provocative and compliant to agreements as possible. So they were trying to do their job. But that was not the impression we got from the edited version of the video, which hit the public pretty much right after the incident. Um, Hovik, do you want to explain how the two videos almost seem to tell different stories? So, um, yes. So let's begin first by, you know, this whole thing started on June 15th when the Azeris tried to hoist the flag up the on the other end of the Hakari Bridge. The Armenians released a video that uh, showed that the Russians uh, were escorting. It appeared that the Russians were escorting the Azeris uh, and then the Azeris raised the flag and then there were shots and the video got cut. 
But today, uh, when we saw what appeared to be the fuller version of that video, uh, it seemed that the Russians were trying to impede the movement of the Azeris. The Russians took down the flag after the Azeris put it up. And a lot of other things that I think made that previous video, if, if it's not like all fake, it seems to be an, a result of manipulation. Uh, and you know, yes. it's, it's mind boggling why the Armenian side would shoot at a group of people that, that includes the Russian peacekeepers, would allege that the Russian peacekeepers are not doing their job, would potentially, uh, I think that it's the Armenian side that released that video, yes. would release a manipulative video. Absolutely. And then, uh, and then, and then blame the Russians for not doing their job. I don't believe in uh, conspiracy theories, but also don't believe that 15 random events can happen all simultaneously in the same time. So, yeah. is the Armenian government trying to worsen the situation and keep the bridge closed? Essentially, was that you know before the Armenian like, government help? Before we even get into speculation, before we even get into speculation, just on the facts alone what we see is damning enough. There's certain questions that I'd want to ask. One, who released that video? Two, who decided to edit that video? And three, the response from that video, we saw this like collaboration between some pro-Pashinyan forces and their outlets outright criticizing the Russian government. I would want to know where is the corroboration in that? And secondly, I would say, you know what's important about the video? One, the notion that uh, the Azeris raised that flag uh, with the help of Russian peacekeepers. Now that we see the full video, we, saw, we, we realize that's not true. Right. And two, uh, are they abdicating responsibility in a certain sense because they fired on those troops? And because after that firing, they completely closed that border. Are they trying to take responsibility off themselves for that incident? and place the blame on the Russian peacekeepers. Because if one were to ask if the Azeris did that, lifted that flag, and then the Russians went and took it down themselves without an interaction or an altercation there, uh, what would be the result today? To those questions, I might not have a direct answer, but they're really, really worth asking and really worth uh, getting answers to. Yeah, I agree. Gev, Aliyev and the Azeri government have been piling on new preconditions before they will hold talks with the authorities in Stepanagerd. They're demanding the demilitarization of the Artsakh Defense Forces, dismantling the government and surrendering officials to Baku for so-called amnesty and so on. In light of the fact that since the November 9, 2020 agreement, the Azeri side has not honored a single requirement on their part. For heaven's sake, not even all of the Armenian POWs are back yet. I sure hope the authorities in Stepanagerd are wiser than those in Yerevan and are not planning to accede to any empty Azeri demands just for the promise of talks or something stupid like that. What can you say about this? So I think the folks in Stepanagerd are more acutely aware of Azerbaijan's quote-unquote diplomatic tactics than the Armenian government is, mm -hmm. and that's why they haven't caved so far. And the notion, one has to ask, if Azerbaijan has no plans for forced integration of the people of Artsakh why would they want the why would they be so insistent that Artsakh use, loses all of its means and ability to defend itself that's right and, and it, it, this isn't you know a, a difficult thing to figure out if we just logically follow this process this is a game that we cannot give into because every inch that has been given to Azerbaijan on behalf of the government, a mile has been taken. And as of right now, uh, nobody in the Artsakh government plans to play along. 
I want to ask one final question, and that has to do with the NDAA that's going on in Congress. The ANC has been spearheading this uh, 13 different resolutions, I think, introduced by U.S. congressmen. I'll include a link in our show notes, but I want to know what your take is on this, because no matter what the Congress is going to introduce, the American government, the State Department, has been working almost like hand-in-hand with the Azeri government. What are your hopes and expectations coming out of this in Stepanagerd? So if we've learned anything in the last six months in terms of what's, and, you know, obviously beyond that, but I'm talking about the scope of the blockade, the State Department and the United States Congress have two different stances on how the the issues in uh, Artsakh should be dealt with. And that's something we have to keep in mind. The state officials in the State Department have their own policy, which is bad. It's always been bad. The good thing is we have legislators more than ever and in larger numbers than ever that are on the right side of this issue. And they're demanding Uh, accountability on this. Yeah, exactly. And look, we've had different provisions before introduced into the NDA, one or two that have been shot down. But 13 is the most that I've ever seen in in my time working with the NDA and, and, you know, in my uh, knowledge of these issues. So we'll learn at least one thing from this. And some of them are are strong. Some of them ask for completely cutting out military aid and all that. And some of them are a little easier to pass, let's just say, like demanding reports on the humanitarian situation, etc. If we see all of them being shot, shot down somehow, then we understand fully that the U.S. State Department is on one side of this issue and it's not pro armenian However, I do have hope because there are so many, because there is more pressure than ever before on the legislative end, that we can see some positive results. Right. To me, it also shows the disconnect between the federal government, the State Department, basically, Absolutely. and the people-driven Congress. So it's, it's really jarring to see this in a country that claims to be a beacon of democracy. Absolutely. And uh, the State Department needs to be reminded that the policies that they enact on the world stage, those are set by the United States Congress. Uh, They're supposed to be an enacting body. They're not supposed to be a policy creating body. That policy is created by legislators. Okay. Thanks, Gev. Thank you, uh, Gev. Thank you for making time. And um, Uh, of course, guys. You know, uh, just stay safe and stay strong. We're we're here with you with and uh, the people of Artsakh. Uh, I, I know it, guys. And and thank you for having me on. 